Well, welcome back as we're in Voice in the Distance Ministries in Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, last, uh, the last chapter we did was basically just an intro to the book of Ephesians. Uh, I, I titled it, Welcome to Ephesus. And uh, what I wanted to do was give the background on Ephesus and uh, the things that were going on there, on why Paul wrote to them and the things of why he wrote to them. And so, again, we're going to get deeper into it, but uh, we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 1, and we're going to be doing half of the chapter. Uh, now, I, I could do the full chapter, but again, I think there's just so much deep richness involved here in every chapter of this book that it may it may be uh, a half and half each time, possibly. We'll see how that goes. But again, I want to cover you know so much ground here, because there's so much that Paul addresses here. And again, when we look at the book of Ephesians, as I said before, and if you listen to the previous chapter, uh, or the previous message, I should say, that the, the Paul, in Paul's writings, but especially in the book of Ephesians, was the first half started out with doctrinal statements, and then the second half started out with applica- application statements in regards to how we deal with one another and things of everyday life. And so... Again, you know, this was uh, the first half of Ephesians was there to help clarify who we are in Christ and, and how we how we're to detail uh, in in the fullness of God's purpose in His church. Why? Because you know we come into the church by grace and through faith, and then after that we start to understand the Lord's place as the head of the body, and then we affirm that love. We affirm the order and direction that comes from Him, and that's what Paul was doing. See, Paul wasn't around during the time with the 12 disciples. But Paul got to spend three years with Christ himself in the Arabian desert when Jesus came to him and trained him one-on-one for a period of three years, just as he did with the 12 disciples. And so, Paul's giving, again, some insight again to the things that Christ taught. And, and so, but he's, he's addressing things for, uh, to a specific need of what was going on there. And we had the blessing of having these letters. Because Christ calls us to live a certain way. And that certain way, Paul had to, had to live in order to be a teacher. And, and so God provides the spiritual equipment. He, he provides the weapons and, and the relationships to help us further ourselves with that relationship. Because God designed each of us to fulfill that specific role. And and in the fulfill a role, whether it be in our everyday walk or maybe in the in the church is of what we call the body of Christ. So as as we read uh, the the book of Ephesians, again we're going to be looking for both the practical. We're going to look for inspiring uh, encouragement about the church. And as as always, you want to ask God to help you fall in love with the body of Christ and and help and help to discover our place within that body. And so it's amazing to know that after reading this, you know, this book really helps us with that. It helps us with the placement of where we belong in the body of Christ. And so, again, such a powerful small book. I've found that. I've found a lot of times that the, uh, sometimes the smaller the book, the more powerful the punch sometimes. You ever been knocked down by somebody smaller than you? I mean, it's just, uh, you really wouldn't expect it, but, you know, they, they could hit hard, and that's what Paul was doing here. He must not have had a lot of papyrus to write with, because he was writing this, um, you know, while imprisonment. And so, um, if you were only given a certain amount of paper to write, you really want to make sure that you're spilling your heart out on that piece of paper for as much as humanly possible. 
And so with that, let us take a look at this. Let us take a look at what was written here. And because we're going to see again the heart of Christ in Paul the Apostle to the people. You know, he's bringing the teachings of Christ to a place that had no idea uh, what the teachings of Christ were. So thank God for the presence of the Apostle Paul and his missionary work. So let's go ahead and take a look here. As we, uh, we're going to see for, uh, verses 1 through 4 first. It says, Paul, an apostle of uh, Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God, was a perfect introduction because that is what he was. It's just like we are. And what we do by the will of God. And why I mean, why I say that, what I mean by that is some of us are executives. Some people might be cab drivers, teachers, factory workers, construction workers, and pastors, all by the will of God. See, at this point, at this point he was a veteran in the Christian faith. Uh, give or take, Paul was probably somewhere between 25 to 30 years in the faith serving. And, uh, Ephesians was written at about 60 AD. And, and so the blessings to see a veteran in the faith is continual growth of veterans in the faith. Because, see, we're all, we're all a work in progress always. And, and by that, in verse 3, it shows the blessings in the heavenly realms with the benefits of knowing God and loving God more so. But he made known that there was a plan. And, and a plan for all being chosen. See, many have asked, why am I here? Why was I born? Well, the the Bible makes it known that there was a reason that God had. Uh, He told Jeremiah the prophet, he said to him that I knew you before you were in the womb. So, So we have everything designed by the author and finisher of life. It is a hard concept to realize that he wanted us and choosing us, but he, he did it. And by that, there was a responsibility on us to be something that he required his people in Israel to be. And, and, and I use the uh, scripture from the book of Leviticus that says, Be holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. So what is neat is that it says that he predestined us. To adoption in him. And you know it's funny for people that were adopted. Some people have have trouble with that. With the fact that they were adopted. And what is not always realized by them. Is that that you were actually chosen by someone. Who handpicked you if you will. You know when most have. When people uh, have children. They have to bring them home from the hospital. And amen for that. But, But you were specially chosen. Well, so were we by the Lord. When your parents knew that they were having a son, uh, you know, they were preparing their room, decorating it and painting it to the specifics of a boy. As they were for a girl. It was designed special for you. As is the same in heaven as Christ Jesus is preparing a place for all his children. 
But there was a command, a reminder that we should be holy. And as always, I make known that holy means set apart, not better than anyone. It just means set apart and without blame. Now, Paul, being a Roman citizen, knew that that in um, in Roman law, if somebody adopted a child, that child was brought into the family as one of its own. They were treated the same. Uh, an inheritance was to be divided equally. And they had every right, as a biological child did, even if they were slaves in the household. And the relationship with the Lord is even stronger in the adoption process. Because we were adopted, but more so we were born again. Now, look at the life of someone who came from the darkest of places. Uh, people who hated others, they stole, they hurt, even murdered, and were were new. They were made new when they came to Christ in truth. Born again, if um, they were born again, if you've seen people baptized before, I encourage you to watch their faces before they are submerged. And then look at their faces after they rise from the water. You can see a different expression in their face because of the the joy of doing what they did in in that of receiving the Lord in baptism. And, And so with that, we are to praise God and to praise Him that we are not just accepted, but praise Him that we are His beloved. And for the love of one another, may we love and accept each other as we are going to spend eternity together. This was the preparation that we're seeing. Now let's go ahead and take a look here at verses 5 through 8. And it says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So we take predestined. Okay, predestined means that we were marked beforehand. Uh, Paul had no idea that he was in this category himself. You know, if someone prophesied this to him when um, that he would be a close follower of Christ Jesus, he would have had them killed back in the days of being a Pharisee, of being one of the religious leaders that he was. Me, a follower of Christ and a leader in his church, I'm going to stone you for that one. No, Paul didn't know at the time he was predestined. Now he did. But but what is a blessing to see in this verse was his, accept, uh, his acceptance. We do not deserve it by any means, yet he gives it freely with joy. If you've done something bad to someone, and you have come to them in humility with sorrow, and they embraced you, That is what he did. Acceptance is his embracing. It is beyond just saying, okay, you can join my team, welcome in. No, it is more passionate than that. Just like that of receiving the prodigal son. The prodigal son took his inheritance and he squandered it and he he lived in in the pigsty, literally. And he came back home hoping to at least be a servant to his father. But he was welcomed back and, and um, they, his father had a feast thrown for him in his return. And in that we have verse 7, the redemption through his blood. If you live in a free country, it was free because there was a price paid. And it was paid by the lives of those who fought for it. 
But see, it can always be disrupted. A country can always declare war and try to take it. But the blood of Christ sealed it once and for all. That's the difference. See, the previous book that I taught was Exodus. And God gave the instruction on how atonement for sin was to be had. It was the blood of an animal sacrifice. Well, now the blood of Jesus was once and for all. No more continual sacrifices of an animal. And that isn't being done in Israel because, uh, anymore because the temple was destroyed. So they had, uh, they had to go with plan B in the form of doing good works for forgiving us. Or for forgiving them uh, of sin. So that was kind of more of what they've been doing as a, uh, as a replacement because they're not, uh, they don't have the temple so they cannot perform the sacrifices. So now they replaced it with more or less doing good works. Christ died as the perfect sacrifice. Designed by God in his time 2,000 years ago. And people have always asked, why such a horrific form of atonement? Because in God's eyes, sin is horrific. And if someone willingly committed it, they had to pay a price for the act of sin. Uh, we, we pay fines of different sizes depending on the laws that were broken. You go to some countries, they'll cut your hand off for theft. And what's interesting enough is that those countries have a very low theft issue, but there are many that still take the chance and get caught. But God's grace is voluntarily. See, he himself said in Exodus that I will show mercy to who I will show mercy to, but I, but I have never seen him turn someone down when they asked in love, truth, and humility. We, we cannot save ourselves, and by trying to do that, that is an absolute insult to the Lord. Because it's like saying that I got this, thanks for, thanks for what you did, but I have to do something to add to it. Or, or top it, if you will. And he says that there is no, no, there is no need. It would be an insult for anybody to try. Because without his grace, no one can be saved. And we like to uh, to take the letters of grace, right? The uh, the letters in the word of grace, and we call it by the letters of G R A C E, which a lot of us interpret as God's riches at Christ's expense. And Jesus used the illustration of being a slave to sin. And if there is an addiction to anything that may be harmful, the list is long. And that is what we are a slave to when we become that. Uh, people in the Old Testament would, would pay for the release of a slave by finance or by working something off. Christ paid for the release of such by voluntary death and, and, the fi- and, it, was, uh, and it was fine with it. He did it on his own free will. He came back three days later, and he spent 40 days with the disciples, and then he ascended into heaven right before their very eyes. And I have met many who were freed from the slavery of their destruction because of him. In verse 9 to 12 it says, "...and having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself." That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth to him, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. 
you know, we, we look at that word mystery. And, of course, because the New Testament was written in Greek, and Paul had written this letter in Greek, the word mystery is translated mysterion. And what it is, is it translated into something like, um, as an example of discovering the depth of an iceberg. Uh, you can see the tip of one that might be sticking 10 feet out of the water, but when you dive underneath, you will see that it could be actually 100 feet deep and, and never knew it. See, God was planning on keeping a secret, but planned on revealing it through that of Christ Jesus, uniting Jews and Gentiles. And many still do not understand the plan of God, but if we pay close attention to his word, we can have an understanding. But more importantly, trust in what he is doing. Um, You know, angels rebelled in heaven with the devil. People rebel against God and contribute to others doing that to this day, but what Paul is making known, that that it's not going to last. And I've said before and will continue to say that every sheepfold is different. But when Christ enters that sheepfold, he brings everything together. Everyone will understand there will be, there, there will be no confusion because God is all-knowing. And I said earlier that we may not know all things, but we are to trust all things. See, when life seems chaotic, we're called to rest in him. Because that's what he wants. Because he said to do just that. We have heard the term, rest assure. Well, we can rest on his assurance because he's the only one to to have made a promise and stood by it. He's the only one to make a promise and fulfill it. And he's the only one who can make a promise and never break it. I mean, look at the covenants that the Lord made through the Bible. And see that he fulfilled every one of them. And one of the many times I will repeat something is in this term that God never promised smooth rides, but but he did promise safe destinations. And if you've ever walked with the Lord for a period of time, uh, taking communion with him, that is a good reminder. You know, my younger son at the age of five was taught communion. Uh, It was embedded in him. Some may say that he's too young to worry about that. And when I hear him say, we do this because Jesus got a big owie (laughs) and died on the cross, so we can go to heaven. He has a clear concept of communion right there. In fact, he volunteers to break up the bread, and he does a great job of it. And he will bring all he will bring all together just like children when they're young, they will gladly play with one another with no fear of division or prejudice. Because that only happens the the fear, the division, the prejudice, all those things happen when they get older. And those things happen when they are taught. In, in, that, in, in that mystery, many will be brought together by him, through him, and for him. Paul was revealed things because this once legalistic Pharisee, who was, a Jew, who was as Jewish as one can get in ritual and belief, was actually the apostle to the Gentiles. And if you're not Jewish, then you are a Gentile, no matter what race you are. Same message is given to the Greeks, the Romans, to this region of Turkey. Uh, he also planned on going to Spain, according to uh, in his writings in the book of Romans. But we, we don't know if he made it. But nonetheless, nothing was left out. Everyone got the same message of salvation, love, and redemption for all who should receive Christ. Now, as we observe 13 to 14. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation, in whom uh, also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of glory? And then we're going to end right there. Paul illustrates the steps of our salvation in verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth in whom you believed and then sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The reason that believing came first is simple. Because people will at times treat God like someone in a bad business deal. I will go on board with you if you can prove that I will, I will benefit from this relationship. And what that is saying is that God, God cannot be trusted. I, I want the seal, then I will go for it. And that's not how God wants us to be with him. Because this is for eternal salvation, not just in simple, uh, simply earthly wealth and blessings. This is the seal that you will belong to him. And in the city of Ephesus, this was common because it was, a, it was the actual port city where ships would bring in cargo. And the owner of that cargo had a wax seal on it which would prove the ownership. And he was making sure that it was recognized as precious cargo. And we can even go as far uh, as in Roman cities, as this place was, um, it was that if uh, something that was sealed got messed with or unsealed, they would actually hunt for the person and they would be killed in the form of capital punishment, according to Roman law. So in Roman law, if somebody unsealed something that belonged to somebody, that was payable on death. So when Paul speaks of these things, he speaks in their language, that they would understand the importance of things in their cultural surroundings, bringing it into a heavenly aspect. This was showing a genuine faith that the Holy Spirit put upon us by receiving the Lord. In in, in researching particular words, the word guarantee was only used in the New Testament. Because with Christ's death, it sealed the deal. But I found that interesting in in the researching of particular words that guarantee was only found in the New Testament. So can you remember the days in school when uh, when teams were divided in something, whether it be in games or sports? And you had your team captains who would uh, who personally chose the people on their team. And there's that one that is the last, uh, you know, the, and they're put on the team because they had to fill in the spot. And you could see it on you could see it on the demeanor of them as people were being chosen and they were being overlooked. Well, not so not so with God. You are wanted. You are wanted by him and he wants you on his team. I want to bring assurance from what we have just seen. If you are alive and living on this earth, God knew who you were because he created you. Now, what he wants is you to be seeking after him because God does not force himself upon anybody. If you love someone, you would definitely hope that they love you too and the same. And that goes, and that goes with the Lord as well. He wants that with us in a genuine truth because he loves us in a genuine truth no matter what. Some will say that I've, I've messed up way too much. All right, I've, I've messed up way too much. He doesn't want me. You know, mo- most good parents who love their children beyond measure want them back, right? They want them back, but how much more does he, how much more does the Lord want you back? If you are messing up and you do not want to be there anymore, 
He is the best hope in your transformation. I'm giving you the information that leads to transformation. But the transformation cannot happen until you allow the Lord to be your Lord and your Savior. I've heard many say that they they have never been loved by anyone. Well, I want to lead you to the one who will love you unconditionally. And he will put his seal on you as an eternal birth certificate with the Father's name on it being his. And let me assure you of something. If you find a church that is walking, teaching, praising, and loving God, they will love you too because you will be with some long-lost relatives related through the blood of Christ if you want to receive him now. That's the million-dollar question. That's worth more than a million dollars. That is your eternal destiny. If you want to be with him, when your time is up, but you know what? Not just when your time is up. You're going to be with him here and now. He's going to be with you when you receive him. There's always going to be hard times. There's always going to be some rough roads. But it's always easier when someone's there for you and with you. The Lord will always be there. And you know what's neat about him is he also assigns others to be there too. Others that walk with him. Others that are related to him, which will now be related to you. So, if you want to receive, after hearing everything you've just heard, everything you're hearing right now, everything you just read from the biblical aspect of the scripture I read to you, came from the words of a man who hated Christians, and a man who had them arrested and even killed, until Christ came to him on the road to Damascus, and, and converted him to a mighty follower and leader within his church. We're reading the words of a man who hated Christians and a man who would, uh, who would love to see the destruction of them and has now been called to see the salvation of them. See, there's builders in the world and there's destroyers. And it's real easy to destroy something. It doesn't really take much. It doesn't even take talent to, de- to destroy something. But it takes God-given ability to build things. But you know what's even more astonishing? You look at the word salvation. It's a word that we get the word of salvaging. The Lord salvages our souls from, from, from fire that will destroy do you feel the need for salvation? Do you, do you feel the need that, that you need to be salvaged? Well, there is an opportunity right now to receive Him in prayer and to accept Him as your Lord and your Savior and by receiving Him in your heart, you are saying that you are receiving Him and, 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 and you're going to walk with Him. And He will enter you if you say these things in truth. Because he said to draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So if you want to do that right now, here's your opportunity. By saying this prayer, if you want to repeat after me, Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner, Lord. And I ask of you to cleanse me and wash me of all of my sins. Father, I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. As my Father, Lord. I thank you for dying on the cross. And Lord, I want to follow you all my days, Lord. And I ask that you would receive me when my time is up. And may we walk together, Lord, for all the days that I'm here, Lord, that I might be with you for all eternity. 
as I thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and continue to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I tell you, I, I just really thoroughly, I, I enjoy every book in the Bible, but this one especially, I tell you. And, and, uh, and you can see why. And you can hear why. So, let's walk together. Follow along. I want to give everything I can in, in teaching the Word of God and giving everything I can in making sure that most of all people receive Him through that teaching. Because there's nothing better that we could ever have or nothing better that we could ever do. So I pray that you and your families will be walking together strongly in, 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 in wholeness and fullness. And that you might see His glory And by that, you'll be able to see him in his glory when you're up there with him one day. All of us together. Everyone goes home. No one left behind. May God bless you.